of fame and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. This is the Rights and Wrongs Portland Podcast, and I am your host, Mr. Green. How are you? And thank you for tuning. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in the wrestling world right now. Um, I, I usually tend to try to keep this streamlined to women's wrestling, or specifically WOW. That is the, the bulk of this review, but I feel like there's a couple of things in the outside periphery of what's going on in WOW that need to be addressed, some of which might inadvertently affect it. The most specific thing is the upcoming television deals. You probably have heard or seen or read about this at at some point. Uh, Let's go back to when WOW was announced for this particular incarnation of it. This one being that um, WOW was partnered with CBS or CBS Global Media, which at the time owned a significant chunk of the CW. I think about, I think they were listed as owning 75% of the controlling share of CW. So, what you got with that was WoW had a, a home that was uh, they, they could utilize as part of the CW individual networks. Uh, <clears throat> they were listed and uh, still are on the CW website. If you go there and you want to see old episodes, and they are old episodes, I think the, what is the 2019 season that they have there. Um, and for whatever reasons, I think that some of the talent, this is why I feel like sometimes why does it communicate with the people that they have, or maybe they misunderstood it. A lot of them ran around thinking that they were, we're going to be on CBS. Make sure you tune in to CBS and watch us. And they're like, no, you're not on CBS. I mean, I had to tell people that. And I don't work in the wild. I was like, you're not on CBS. You're on, you're on CBS affiliate stations. That's different. <clears throat> but but again, largely that was you know CWs and and some indie stations, independent stations just across the country. 
So now we move back up to present day. The first thing was is that we had Billy Corgan make an announcement that he had secured or that he was getting a TV deal with a top 20 network. That top 20 network, he, well, well I'm not going to say he, but was later unveiled to be uh, the CW network. And he, that was supposed to be for NWA Power and a yet unnamed uh, reality television show. And <laughs> made what a day or two later, <laughs> that that whole deal was up in the air because of a spot that they did on their pay per view as a, a cocaine spot. I, I don't know what they were thinking to do right there. I guess he wanted to be edgy, but um, apparently that 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 whole deal was put into jeopardy. It was thrown into jeopardy because of this, because of the decision to have that spot air on their pay-per-view which i'm i'm assuming and then i would rightfully so i would the cw is probably looking at that and saying we don't want this on our show if this is what you're doing on pay-per-view what are you gonna do here so <clears throat> we cannot say for certain that is not going to be there but it is in a precarious spot which of course has now caused some Friction, frustration, you know, within some of the talents that's in the NWA, reportedly. We'll, we'll say that. But the big news that came from all of this was that NXT makes a broadcast television uh, deal with the, uh, the CW Networks. And it is due to begin its airings in October 2024. <clears throat> several months from now about you know about we're about a year out from that which brings a couple of things to mind if i did not know anything about the wwe and its existence one thing that they've made absolutely clear is that they generally speaking do not play well with others there's an ongoing lawsuit right now with MLW and the WWE, well, at least they filed against them. I don't know if it's ongoing. I should rephrase that. With MLW and the WWE claiming that the WWE blocked them from getting on BN Sports. Several years ago, when Raw was was on Spike TV at the time, I believe. I could be wrong, but the, the overall point here is that at that time, because of the TV deal that they had, they got to control what came on after. And because Vince McMahon gave the green light, like it's fine, for them to put on the Ultimate Fighter, that's what happened. The Ultimate Fighter aired and it helped turn the fortunes of, of the UFC around. You see where I'm going with this. Largely speaking, the WWE does not allow other similar-based programming to air on the same network that it airs on. Now, I don't know what kind of control that they have here. I don't know if that is going to be the case. But let's start at the beginning. I cannot possibly believe that the WWE with NXT airing is going to be comfortable or want the NWA airing on the same network. Because I'm sure they realize that if they do, the NWA is going to ride on their coattails 
and they'll get a bigger you know audience just based on them being on the same network with the WWE and the WWE certainly doesn't want that they want their stars to be their stars and that's that and nobody else should be profiting off of it but I also question if or how and if it will affect WoW WoW has had a somewhat precarious spot, and I'm going to use that word again, in the wrestling community. Because they really don't use or associate necessarily with the wrestling community until they need to associate with the wrestling community. They generally aim at they're just a television show that happens to have wrestling. Or at least that's how I perceive it. Yes, they have wrestling matches. Yes, they you know have wrestlers on there. <clears throat> but they also make no bones about the, the fact that they just audition people. They hire them and they, they train them and then they stick them on TV. We'll more about that later. <clears throat> so they don't tend to do what NWA does, what MLW does, Impact, AEW, WWE. They don't tend to do that. They don't push a lot of merchandise. They don't push pay-per-views. They don't push live event other than the TV tapings that they do. And they don't really refer to it as, as here's a live event. It's like, hey, come watch the tapings for your you know wild superheroes. They've always been a television product first, wrestling secondary. Which is kind of how they got to Access TV. We're opening this back around now. And they did good for Access TV. And I can remember the press conference when the people on Access TV were saying, we love our partnership with, with WOW. They've been great for us. They get good ratings. They get good interactions. These are the words that came out of the executives' mouths that were associated with Access TV at the time. Lo and behold, several months later, Anthem purchases Access TV. And what did that spell for WOW? It meant that WOW was left without a home. Why? Because Anthem also owned Impact. And they, much like the WWE in this scenario, did not want another wrestling promotion, however big or small, on their network without, uh, without their ownership and or consent New Japan Pro Wrestling was on there New Japan was somewhat hot at the time but it didn't matter to them they cut it loose WoW was on there and they were even lower on the totem pole and they cut it loose they cancelled it I also will add into in the story that uh, again I, I doubt the communications in WoW because a lot of the talent that was on that roster had no idea. They were all under this this I, this mindset that, well, yeah, when we go back on the air, they didn't know that. I said it on this podcast. I'll say it again. Samantha Smart had no idea they were canceled. She was telling me, oh, well, we can't do such a, Basically saying that I have to contact some people in order to be able to speak to her until she found out they were canceled. Then, then that interview opened right up. A sweet young lady, but didn't, but was not aware of that. Anyway, 
So the question here is if they are still on any CW networks, and I and I will admit at this point I have not gone through and done the research to see if they still exist on the CW, but I know they are on a lot of independent networks right now. The ones that the uh, CBS <clears throat> system cut loose, and I guess I need to cut come back to that part of the story. The CW was owned by CBS Global Media, but they sold that. They sold their shares of the CW network. They they no longer have a uh, controlling interest in the CW. And as I said before, that's about, what, 75%, I believe, that they had. So now that that is gone and CBS... Global media is the singular thing that they have. Now, they could they make a push to go to CBS proper? Maybe. I don't know if they would do it. CBS needs hits and things that could draw, but they also need content because the strike is still ongoing. As, as I'm recording this, they're closer to the end of it than not, but they still, because the, the studios have pulled back on the ridiculous demands that they wanted out of AI, stuff like they wanted to be able to scan every actor, and we need we could pay you up front, and we should be able to uh, use that your likeness in perpetuity and not have to ask for permission nor pay your family, which is just absolutely insane. That's a whole different topic for a whole different podcast, but that's, you know, where they were. So that could come to a close, which could open back up the uh, uh, the, the productions, which would allow CBS to begin to have shows again, which takes away the leverage of shows such as WOW in game shows and reality shows because that during their strike they had all the leverage in the world. If you if you needed content, that's where you had to go because they couldn't use anything that had actors proper on there that were part of SAG. Anyway, coming back to the point, <clears throat> how does this potentially affect WoW? I've seen this story play out before. I'm not saying that it is going to happen. I'm not saying that CW is going to pull the plug on what remaining uh, outlets that WoW has. I'm not ringing the death toll for it yet because, again, they are still on several independent networks. Networks that don't have any uh, relation to CBS don't really have to keep or uh, or uh, drop while they don't want to. As far as I know, WoW is still in good standing with a lot of these places. My only concern is, like I said, what happens with CW Network? What happens in October 2024 when the WWE sticks nxt on their networks and i'm i am positive one thing is for certain they're not going to be in some late night time slot it's very likely that they're going to be prime time television and if they're on there i can also pretty much guarantee that they're very likely going to lop off anything that they perceive as 
Not necessarily competition, but similar. If Wow is on one of those networks that happens to you know be running that well, they're going to be on CW just across the board. But if Wow's on one of those networks, one of those stations, I should say, yes, they air past prime time, but does that violate any decisions that the WWE may make? As far as we don't want that. Don't put us on with that. It'll be interesting, and I think that we, you know, I have to keep my eyes out open for it. But I had to bring that up to say, you know, where does Wow's future lie as it relates to these TV deals? They seem to have come up short on TV deals throughout their entire existence. The first time they got canceled, then allegedly it was because of blood. That was used on the pay per view. I don't know that to be true. <laughs> I honestly think it was more a case of them burning through money and expecting that pay per view to be a hit, which it wasn't, and it, it was just a black hole for spending. And then it was the second time that they brought this up, which never really made air. It was just they did a couple of tapings in Las Vegas. I would say, what is it? They did about a season. Stuff that didn't go anywhere. It aired on their their, uh, website. And it might still be there for all I know. And then we come to the Access TV years, and I just explained that. They were on there for about two years or seasons in their world before they got cut loose. And now this. I will repeat, I am not ringing the death bell for for a while. I'm not saying that this is going to be their end. I just question where this will be when the WWE steps in there. I I don't think the NWA has a chance because they're not going to, you know, if they get put on the CW, they're not going to be on there long if the WWE pops up. And it's not even an if, when they pop up. They've already released the press releases. They already had this thing out for the world to read. Whereas we've heard it through the, the, the grapevine with the NWA. This is in print with the WWE. A five-year agreement marks the first time in its 13-year history that the WWE NXT, which showcases the WWE's hottest up-and-coming superstars, will air on broadcast television network, on a broadcast television network. The WWE NXT will debut on the CW Network in October 2024 and air 52 live weekly events throughout the season. That's a very attractive offer when you are a network head and you're trying to fill content and you know that you can count on 52 weeks a year of content with a brand that is globally recognized not just a small segment of people that is globally recognized. Anybody that thinks anything about wrestling usually goes WWE first. There's somebody at my job right now. The first thing that he even remotely says when he looked at WoW was like, oh, they can't compete with WWE. Another wrestling promotion never crosses my mind. Why? Because he doesn't know any. He is one of those people that's on the outside of that bubble looking in. And the WWE has done a... Let's, let's call a spade a spade, a phenomenal job of branding themselves as wrestling 
or at least sports entertainment for them. Where does that go with WoW? WoW doesn't do 52 live weeks a year. WoW airs 52 weeks. But then, you know, they, they have their problems with continuity and things like that. I'm sure that the CW doesn't really care. But what they will care about is who gets the higher ratings. And without them ever being on broadcast television a day in their life, I'm going to say NXT. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes, how that goes. I will repeat for the third time, I am not ringing the death bell for them. I don't know that this CW deal means anything adversely to WOW. I just know that the CW housed WOW for a while before CBS cut them loose off of their desire to get to offload CW. Will that affect them? Time will tell. Moving on. Now that we've addressed that, let's address WoW directly. More specifically, WoW's existing roster. I believe I brought up that uh, WoW has, well, not WoW, but CBS Global Media posted the roster for the uh, upcoming season of WoW. WoW season two, as far as, as far as we know. And they put a lot of names up there. Some names that you know, some names that you don't. A lot of which are people who are making their debut. So it is going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks to see the people who are popping in and popping out or have popped out of WoW. I have surmised the ones that I believe are not returning at least for this season. Or uh, what what are we going to say? For at least the next three to four months because any tapings that they do usually cover about that long. Uh, speaking of tapings, before I even start, there, I'll just go ahead and say they have new tapings coming up, December eleventh through the fourteenth. That's in California. This is advertised on their uh, YouTube channel and on KCAL, which is the uh, local station for them. Uh, that is what four days. 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. Over those four days, they will probably be able to squeeze in four to four and a half to five months worth of television content just on this weekend coming up. I said not this weekend, just on that weekend that they're going to do it. They, they should be able to squeeze in about four and a half to five months worth of just content doing that and that is why I usually get on them for all this continuity errors because these marathon tapings don't help them when they're trying to do that but anyway I just felt like I need to say that and if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area and you want to go see the show those are the dates I'm sure you can get all the information you need to um, pursue 
um, purchasing tickets. But <clears throat> as I said before, there's a lot of uh, names that I have shown and listed on the uh, community tab of the Women's Processing Network. So if you want to see who they have listed, I have it all laid out for you to view through. And in most cases, and this this was a copy from the uh, the CBS site. In most cases, they took the time to put a um, new by their name, so you know that they were a new uh, person. Except for the class master, for whatever reason, and uh, God, another stupid name. But it would, for whatever reason, without you know, aside from her, I think everybody else has a has new written by it. But yeah, she's new also. So anyway. From what I can tell, Wrecking Ball is not, well, we know that she's not coming back. She asked for a release. She already announced that on her uh, Instagram. Amber Rodriguez has not been listed, nor have we seen her. The former Sahara Spars or Commander Spars, you remember the one that just turned heel for no particular reason, just because. The disciplinarian I am questionable about. She's listed on the roster, but then we have an advertisement for the class master, which is basically the same damn thing. You do you really need a disciplinarian if you have a class master? Like, I don't know. Seems a little off to me. Siren the Voodoo Doll is no longer listed which pretty much kills the dark side. And we haven't seen her come out near holiday since she's been showing up randomly to uh, stare at Chainsaw. We we still don't know where that's going. Foxy Fierce, which was surprising to me that she would not be there, especially considering that she's not generally a wrestler. She's... You know, labeled more of an actress than a wrestler, and I don't expect it for those fans out there because I know they have their their fans that believe that they can just go anywhere and wrestle anybody. For those fans out there that think that she's going to go taking a job at Impact or something like that, I'm sorry to disappoint you. That is not happening. She's going to shuffle herself back off to whatever acting job that she's looking to do. Rustling is not something that she's concerned about. It was a means to an end, like a lot of them, and we'll get into that later on, as I said earlier. We know that Leah Makoa has been gone. We know that Malia Osaka has been gone. Randy Rara is no longer listed, and they've effectively written her off of TV as well. Razor, member of the Heavy Metal Sisters, also written off of TV. Well, I can't say written off. She just didn't show up. Robbie Rocket, who was the third member of the Brat Pack, uh, showed up for what, one edition of that and just kind of vanished. Mesmera, also a member of the Heavy Metal Sisters, no longer there. For her, and, and, and I, hate to say, I hate to say it, but in her case, probably for the best. Wasn't really good at what she was doing there. Died the, what, how they even decided to stick her on TV. She hadn't, she didn't say a word when she was on that television. I mean, well, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm not being 
fair to her. Let me let me retract that because I think she did say something in a uh, vignette. But uh, didn't Russell, except in multi-person matches, wasn't a good manager, wasn't a good wrestler, just didn't really have a spot there. So, you know, we'll, we'll just call that for what it is. But as far as I can tell, those are the people who are no longer coming back to, to WoW. You got a, a couple of people that are, and I know I've gone through both of these things before, but I just, you know, I felt like it was worth mentioning again because I thought that this is, uh, it's really interesting to me that they have kind of reverted backwards. I'm trying not to go into talking about that now, but it's really interesting that it seems and feels that way. But we've got a couple of new names. Uh, we've seen Katrina Jinx. We've seen uh, the Gloria Glitter. We haven't seen the Classmaster, although she's been advertised. Amber O'Neill is returning. Uh, Goldie Collins, less said about that, the better. Little J Boogie, do not know what she looks like. I'm afraid to see the Mighty Mites, who are Sugar and Spice, which I don't understand why they're there, when they have a very, 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 very similar look to Las Banditas. Uh, Rebel Hayes, <laughs> we saw her, and Sasha Sparks. <sighs> I will continue to watch and see where this goes. That's that's pretty much all we can say and ask for out of that. All right. So let's move forward, shall we? Let's get into the episode. This is episode 208. If you're going on their website, it'll be it should be listed as episode 60. Original air date, November 4th. It is titled The World's Greatest Opportunity. First segment, Stephen and Dickie and David McClain recapped the Beast versus uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy and basically set the table for the show. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that, you know, it's, it should be standard fare that, that that's what they do. They let you know what's going on. This is what's happening. This is our main event. So, you know, nothing. Nothing there that, that would be necessarily wrong is, is this is the way it should be. So we uh move past that into the next segment because segment one is 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 exactly what I said. It's just there to kind of set set the uh plate of the show. Now, one thing that I didn't particularly care for, but I didn't realize that until later on is the build of Vicky Lynn giving her explanation to this horrible situation that she created or whatever that was going on. But we'll we'll talk about that when we when we get to it. So <clears throat> the first match, Adriana Gambino versus Steffi Slays. Gambino, I've already said looks like a star and I enjoy her work. Um Slays has been a very loyal trooper for a while. Really, at this point, pushing almost 10 years, I think. I mean, she's been there for a good while. 
And McLean and Dickie talk about her life outside of Wiles and nurse and everything. And it's it's nice. It's nice that they do that. It's nice that they give her some sort of background, I I guess, but I I I have a, a bit of a I can't say an issue, but it doesn't ring right with me. Like in my world, the wow occupation should be the the thing. When they talk about Steffi, wow is almost a secondary item. Like, oh yeah, she's a nurse. See, we saw her from high school to graduate school to where she's helping people and saving, and and all that's wonderful. All of that is wonderful. But it just makes it come off, at least to me, like, wow, is this a part-time thing? She just, I'm the wrestling nurse. I just show up here when I got some time, and I'll wrestle, then I go back to my real life. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. You you can chime in, you know, if you choose. But that's how it feels. It's nice, but is it needed? And she... All due respect to Steffi Slaves, but we went through her career as a wrestler match by match. This is not something that is a life-changing deal for her. It's not something that she puts a lot of effort into. I I don't mean to say that she phones it in, but it's not like if WoW ceases tomorrow that she's going to go and take some bookings on the indies. I sincerely doubt that that's going to happen. I think WoW is her end-all, be-all. Uh, the match is fine. Uh, it's relatively short. I would say somewhere about six to seven minutes, which is, you know, for WoW, that's pretty long. <laughs> they they generally, you know, if you do five, you're on an average. If you go beyond that, you, you're going into a lengthy territory. If you're going six, seven, eight minutes, that, that's long for them. And there's really no separation between what is a good, an average good or epic match and while they're all pretty much the same. And this is one of those things. It's like a exchange of holes between two young ladies there, which uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> I have to stop myself because I've, I've forgotten my notes. There's a portion in there I was like, you know, I, I don't know if it's me, but it seems like Steffi Slaves might have, I, I don't want to say it and sound like I'm talking about her, but wasn't necessarily in the ring shape that she should have been. I'll, I'll say that. There's a portion of the match where uh, she does a double leg hook of Gambino and is attempting to do a jackknife pin. Now, if you look at that, when she hooks the legs, and I want you to watch this, she takes the legs and attempts to do the flip, but she can't get over. (laughs) Whatever reason, and you can make whatever it is that you feel like with that, but for whatever reason, she just could not get over her. And so you could see Gambino kind of kick her legs up to force Steffi over so that she could land on her as planned. So, <laughs> so you know, again, I, I don't want to uh, 
disparage Steffi. I, I think that she works very hard in the ring. I really do. I don't think that she, along with a lot of other wild girls, who only experience wrestling through WoW. I'm going to say that. I don't think she and the other WoW girls who are only in WoW and nothing else understand the full scope of wrestling beyond that company. But, yeah, I mean, so you, you have that, and, and that's that's one of those things that I mean. Like, you know, how often would you see that with somebody who does this all the time? But she literally got stuck for a second or two upside down with her with her head balanced on Gambino's stomach trying to get over. And then Gambino just had to kind of just push her down herself. Again, you know, I'm looking for things like that. So, you know, I, I, I will say maybe maybe the average eyes wouldn't see that. But, I, yeah, I did catch it. I'm not entirely sure um, – where they try to get with Steffi these days, other than that she's a, a good utility player. She's somebody that they can stick in there, just take the loss. Because, again, is she really looking to move up the ladder? Is is Steffi looking to make a career out of this? Is she trying to be a world-famous wrestler? I doubt it, because they talk about her being a nurse. She probably does not need this job, <laughs> Especially, look, I, if she got a, a gig as a nurse or she's an RN, first of all, nurses make good money. Yeah, I mean, just just know that. Now, it might not be good money necessarily in California, but generally speaking, they make good money. <clears throat> I the the three hundred to six hundred dollars that she probably makes on a weekend in WoW is you know pocket change at this point. So, but anyway. The match is fine. Gambino still looks great. I I enjoy her work. I enjoy her style. Uh, Steffi is improved. I don't agree with Dickie that she's some sort of veteran because as we went through in the previous podcast, her being there for the amount of years doesn't necessarily equate because she hasn't had the amount of matches that you know, her contemporaries have. Compare her, you know, compare her wrestling career to someone like Akira Hogan, who wrestled everywhere and tried to take every match and wrestled every weekend that she could until she got to Impact and, and AEW and Ring of Honor. <clears throat> but all in all, is it an entertaining match? It was, yes, is essentially a showcase for Adriana Gambino. Nothing, you know, that I would complain about there. And Gambino wins with her cradle, cradle neck breaker. I, I, I cannot speak highly enough for, for her, you know, her look, as, like I said, as a star. She really plays into this thing. Uh, and she's essentially very meticulous. But she, she, except for like that leg drop thing, that split leg drop that she does, most of that stuff is like right on point, lands very well. The knee shots, the the break, the pushing of the arm. I questioned a little bit of the ring psychology there because she did a lot of work on the arm, which really didn't go anywhere. 
Uh, Steph, it wasn't like Steffi sold the arm following that for an extensive period of time. Uh, but then again, the match what didn't go as extensive period of time either to give Steffi, you know, credit. She did sell it, but you know, it, it was it didn't play into the uh, finish of the match at all or anything like that. And then it looked like there was a point where they just didn't know what to do. <laughs> that might be the 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 only downside I can say that there was a little point after after Gambino released the arm where. Steffi goes off into the corner, and 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 Gambino's talking to the referee. The referee has to talk to Steffi. It's like it just seemed for a moment like they might have lost their pacing or didn't know what was going on next. I, I don't know. But anyway, like I said, the uh, the the finish of the match was the cradle. Why am I having a part hard time saying that? Cradle neck breaker. That was the finish of the match. And Gambino wins. And she gets on the microphone and she starts carrying on about she's got a streak going. Now, didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? In the WoW, if you, I've said this a couple of times. In the WoW's universe, if you win two or three times, it constitutes a streak. This is not like a winning streak that we see in any other wrestling promotion. Because when they say they got a winning streak, they're, they're usually about 10 matches in or something like that. Here is just, she won two times. She's got a winning streak. Here is three. And by the way, I want to give uh, uh, Steffi credit for her DDT. Very nice execution on DDT. I I did write that down. But I also wrote down, you know, that I really wish, and this is a sidebar comment, not, not about the match. It's about the commentary. I've given Stephen Dickey credit, and I've said that I think that he he needed an opportunity to get better. He didn't need a David McClain there because as long as he's in that booth with Dickey, Stephen Dickey is just going to echo David McClain's sentiments, basically. I still stand by that. Although, I'd, if I had to make any suggestion to Stephen Dickey going forward, I don't know if he will hear this or not, but Mr. Dickey, stop using shades of to every major move that you see. Shades of Jake the Snake Roberts with that DDT. Shades of Dr. Dev Williams with that power slam. Shades of Ric Flair with the figure four. Stop it. I understand, and it's, it's a hard habit to break, especially when you've already got going with it. But that's not helping them. Is 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 just not. It's not helping the wild girls. First off, wild doesn't even cater to anybody that would care about anybody that you're talking about. It, they just don't. It airs at a point in time, and I'm sure there's some adults that's watching that know it. But by and large, let's just accept it for what it is. Wow is catered to a very young audience, and if they're catered to that young audience, they don't care about Jake the Snake Roberts. They don't care about Dr. Death or the British Bulldog or Arn Anderson or anybody else that you've used as a comparable point with the shades of comment. And that it needs to be something else that you can pull out. And I've already said before, it's like this does not need to have a constant ongoing comparison to wrestlers that they're I don't want to insult them, but Russell's they're not going to be in the same league with. They don't they don't need that constant comparison. 
The wild superheroes or the wild girls need to be able to stand on their own two feet as doing their own thing. Once in a while, you can say it is very reminiscent of or shades of or it's like this person. But when you do it every broadcast, it is is beating a, a dead horse, is going too far. It does not need to have, and it's just like Shane Douglas in the belly to belly. It doesn't need to do that. Doesn't need to have that all the time. Move off of it. Okay, sorry, I got had to have that rap. Anyway, so Gambino gets on the microphone and she says she's having a streak. She had, I'm three and zero. Oh. Uh, surprisingly, the thing that saved this promo for me was David McLean. Now, he says this thing all the time with every heel. You're not ready yet, or you haven't earned it. But here it needed to be said. Gambino can get away with saying, hey, I'm on a winning streak. I'm 3-0. and Because she's Adriana Gambino, she's a heel, she's high on herself, she's supposed to think that she deserves a title shot, even when she doesn't deserve a title shot. She's supposed to be in that frame of mind. For her, it works. But at the same time, the commentators didn't need to feed into it. They didn't need to say, yeah, she does. So they didn't. David McClain here's like, you haven't, you know, of course he's not saying it to Gambino, but he's saying she hasn't earned that yet. And I thought good on David McClain for actually mentioning that. She hasn't earned it yet. Because although she's beaten three people, she's beaten who? Princess, not not Princess, she beat uh, three people who come in there and lose pretty much every week. Steffi Slays, Chantilla Chella, you know, their job squad. And I don't mean that as an insult, but those are, that's what they do. They job out. So in the terms of hierarchy, no, she does, even though she's won, does she deserve a title shot? No, she hasn't gotten there yet. But having David McClain make sure that the audience at home knows that rather than them just feeding into it because in the past they were just like, oh, man, she's on just a, a roll here. She's on a winning streak, which is absurd. But, you know, we'll just we'll, we'll accept that for what it is. You might have heard a chime in the background. That was my other computer. <laughs> so, and look, I'm going to be transparent with you. So if you just happen to hear that way off in the back, that was that was my computer doing this thing. <clears throat> so anyway, next segment. And good promo. But, and I guess we might as well go into this before I go into the next segment. I said something last podcast that I was like, I made a suggestion that WoW has begun to do, and now I've begun to regret it. That suggestion was they needed to be able to get these people more promo time. They needed to be able to have sit-downs. They needed to be able to talk. And I started to regret it because, like, come on, seriously, this sit-down interview that you had lasted all of, like, 30 seconds. And that's not the only one. This is, like, the third time that they've done this. And so... I was fine with promos, and I wanted them to have promos. But now it's kind of, it's the same thing. It's like every promo here 
could be interchanged with at least five or six other people on that roster, and you would not know the difference if they just changed a word here or there. It doesn't even sound uniquely individual. They all have said the same thing. Whether they won or whether they lost, David McClain, I won a championship shot. It's only a matter of time before I get to be the champion. I want to get a championship match. They all say that now. Keita Rush said it after losing. It's a matter of time before you see the championship around my waist. Exile said it after winning last season. Dave McLean, we won a title shot. I know I'm forgetting two or three people at this point. But then the people who have got on the microphone and said anything, last call, we won a title shot. It's, it's just rinse and repeat for everybody that gets a microphone. It's like no one told them, use a different line here and there. I think that the mother truckers, we want to, we should be after the titles. Everybody's not going to get a title shot. And some people just need a personal issue or something else to do. Everybody cannot just constantly carry on about I won the title. I won the title. It's a matter of time before I get the title. Give me a title shot. Goldie Collins, who wasn't even on the show yet, <laughs> said it in her vignette. And I know I'm jumping ahead in that in, in the line of this. But she says it. It's only a matter of time before I become the champion. It would have been acceptable and fine for her. Well, first it would have been acceptable and fine if she was an absolute comedy joke character. But aside from that, when you're coming into the promotion, you can accept that because they should set their goals high. Coming from Keita Rush, no. She hasn't done anything to earn it. She is in the same boat, worse, in fact, than Adriana Gambino. Gambino actually is winning, and she doesn't deserve a shot. Keita Rush loses constantly. Now, granted, She's, she gave a promo essentially accepting that she lost, but she shouldn't be doing If this is not going anywhere, if this is no angle, if this is not leading into a storyline of some sort, there is no purpose in her saying that. She should just move on to the next thing. Instead of giving vague promos, which is what everybody in this company now does, they give vague and generic promos about nothing. And they just have that as the one thing that they all can focus their attention on is I'm going after the title. We'll see. So anyway, as I get back on track, the next segment, segment two was the Brat Pack, or the remaining members of the Brat Pack, taking on Chantilla Chella and Tiki Chamorro. As I just told you, Robbie Rocket is no longer there. So what was a trifecta is now a duo. I'm not mad at that necessarily, but I liked the idea that the Brat Pack was a a three-person group. Uh, They can't always help when people are coming in and out of that company. They can't always help that. I mean, 
I know I give them a hard time over it, but the reality of it is, is that some of them are going to take other opportunities, especially the ones who are actually looking to get into the further in the wrestling business. And while until I see otherwise does not provide that opportunity. They've existed in some form or another for the last 20 something years and they have yet to provide anybody the means or the leverage to go to any other wrestling promotion. They just don't. And before somebody even says, well, what about Nikita Lyons? Okay, what about her? She didn't get that based on her time and wow. I'm sure she brought it up when she, when she uh, I don't even want to say auditioned, because it wasn't an audition. They had tryouts for, it, for uh, NXT. And I'm also certain whether she chooses to admit it or not, she got to that company and realized how little she knew. Nikita Lyons is the only person that anybody could ever point at right now and say that, well, she came from WoW and went someplace else. But it didn't do anything for her. It wasn't like she was such a big star in WoW that it was like, we have to sign her. She went and tried out. She went and tried out during their hiatus, for that matter. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, they took her away or she waited until her contract was over or something like that. Nope. This was a case of while was not doing anything, and so she gave it a shot. And she already had an athletic background. She was, I think she's trained in uh, some some version of martial arts. That Well, I'm not going to say I think she is. And she trains as a boxer. She already has an athletic background, so the wrestling on top of that probably helped. But if you look at her as Nikita Lyons in the WWE, her biggest selling point, and this is not just me, her biggest selling point has been her body. And been her matches. I haven't heard anybody mention anything about her matches. But the one thing that when she had her little hot streak, it was because you had a bunch of thirsty dudes that saw her do a split on top of somebody for a pin, and then she just went viral for a second. Outside of that, what has she offered you? Nothing. Wow does not make stars. Back to the match. So, <clears throat> the Brat Pack taking on, uh, the Brat Pack consisting of BK Rhythm and, and uh, Gigi Gianni. Taking on Tiki Tomorrow, the hodgepodge team of Tiki Tomorrow and uh, uh, Chantilla Cella. And, of course... There are two things that took place that we know uh, they have to do every match. One, BK Rhythm has to do her rhyme, and two, Chella has to toss her cape out to David McClain so they can get on camera dancing around with the cape. I, you know, I've just given up on that whole that whole thing. It's. He shouldn't, that shouldn't be a thing, at least not in my opinion, but, you know, whatever. And then we go to BK Rhythm. I mean, because, and and just for the cape a second, it, it is, at this point, it's only a means just to have David McClain and Stephen Dickey stand up and dance around for a, a moment or two. Uh, anyhow. So moving on to BK Rhythm and her doing her thing. That you know, I I'm also now at a point where this that just needs to stop. 
It's not going anywhere. It's, this has been going on for a year. I, and I like Killer Kate. I, I don't have a problem with her persona's BK rhythm, quite honestly. But this whole, I need to do a, a you know, drop a rhyme on you before the match starts, that, that needs to stop. It would be something if it meant something and it was going somewhere. But this is going nowhere. It is just a segment on this show that serves no purpose. It doesn't do anything. It's not memorable. Caster doing doing this got the acclaimed over. Cena doing it got him over. This isn't doing anything for her. It is a failed experiment. If you haven't gotten any traction off of this in a year's time, it is probably not going to go any further than that. And it's not like, and I'm sure she has to water down whatever it is that she wants to say or could say or whatever the case may be. I'm sure all of that's watered down. Because on TV, we can't have that. We can't have you doing all this stuff. And it's not like, again, you don't see a bunch of people suddenly wanting her to turn babyface because of these magnificent rhymes that she's doing. It means nothing. So they they just, they need to just move off of that. Uh, and speaking of, you know, I went through the list of people that were gone and, and, and moving on. Generally speaking, Chella had been tagging with Foxy Fierce. And it seems like since she's gone, they just slotted in Tiki Chamorro. So, I, I I was shocked, not necessarily disappointed, but I was I was a little surprised because it 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 just it felt like a bit of a hodgepodge. didn't didn't feel like it had any visible chemistry. I mean, tomorrow was supposed to be part of the Island Dynasty. Her being a part of this team probably will not go anywhere. I don't think they'll challenge for any tag team championships. But surprisingly enough, if I could just jump towards the end, they actually won. Fancy that. Tomorrow and Chella actually won the match. I was pulling for the Brat Pack. I, I like their look. I think they get better. I I don't know where Gigi has wrestled or if she's wrestled on the independence anywhere, but I have become a fan to her worksheet. She has phenomenal facial expressions. She really and, and her body language is good. She relates everything that she is trying to get across to not just the live audience, but the viewing audience as well. She's she's very good at it. And it's a shame that she is not getting any sort of boost or any sort of traction. She is just a another interchangeable character in this roster. And they got a bunch of them. They and if you don't believe that, when this new crop of people come in, you'll see there's just a bunch of interchangeable parts. And that's what they've turned her into. They've turned Gigi into it, just an interchangeable person on the roster. She doesn't speak. She doesn't have any motivation. 
All you really know about her is that she's Italian. And aside from that, that she's a heel. Other than that, what else What else does she have? What other defining characteristics does Gigi Gianni have? BK Rosen is the same thing. She raps and she's a heel. Other than that, what is she? What defining characteristic does she carry? None of them have any characteristic to them that means anything that separates one from the other. They don't tell you what they want out of life or want out of being in the wild. They don't tell you why they're there. They don't get to speak so you get to understand who they are, what their motivations happen to be. And when they do speak, for the few that have gotten the chance to speak, it is the same thing over and over and over again. So tomorrow takes a lot of the heat for this match. She she would be the Holly swag in this in this uh, equation. Just the one that came in there and took the beating, but then somehow she found a way to break free and <clears throat> make it to her, her partner, which is one of the coldest tags I've ever seen. They just kind of both staggered to their corners and made the tag off. And then, uh, I don't know why I was about to say cheeky tomorrow, but uh, it said, I'm just combining Chantilla, Chella, and Tiki tomorrow. So Chella gets in the range. She does hot tag. She comes in and she starts uh, cleaning house, taking on both of them. And, you know, she does a good job. She always has done a good job. And, I, and I'm never going to sit there and say that she's not a good wrestler. She just hasn't been presented as such. <clears throat> tomorrow actually got a spear on uh, Gianni on the outside. She ducks underneath a clothesline. Turns back around, bam, she hits her with a spear, and Gianni's out, which was a nice spot because it helped explain why she couldn't get in there and, and save her partner. Um, uh, Chella on the inside, in the meanwhile, jumps off of the second rope in reverse and catches BK Rhythm with a cutter. BK Rhythm's down for the three count, one, two, three, she's done, and they get the match. Yay, good guys win. So we have that. I again, I was surprised. I was absolutely surprised that they that this took place. That um, the team of the two that have lost consistently in the in the individual runs just pulled off a win. But it, but if I'm going to be fair to this, the Brad Pack doesn't have some sort of great win loss record either. So I guess that could have been up in the air. So now we come to the part of the show that I yeah, was kind of, I, was, I wasn't dreading this, but man, I did not like any of this. I'm just going to say that I didn't like any of this. Goldie Collins and her introductory video. This is completely played for comedy. Everybody else that's been in a while up until this point, I mean, whether they turned into comedy or not or they participated in the comedy, that's a different thing. But no one uh, came in in a vignette and just started up being ridiculous. You know, maybe with the exception of Coach Campanelli because I think she was just 
an absurd coach who thought that she was good or better than what she actually was. So I, I shouldn't say no one. But we don't see it very, as often as – we see it less often than, than more. This young lady is already speaking in dog puns and, you know, I'm going to be the best in show and this, that, and the other. She has her dog there, which is probably the only good thing in this this entire segment. <laughs> And the name, Goldie Collins, man. I know that they joke about the box of gimmicks in uh, the Something to Russell With podcast. But every time I hear and I see stuff like this, I completely believe that they just have a box of names that they have sitting around. Like, all right, yeah, you like dogs? Goldie Collins. I was like, good Lord. And, of course, during her little segment, somebody has to off-camera hand her a dog trophy. And they have her dog looking at her in slow motion. And they got these awards and things, which then David McClain completely dismisses by saying, that, oh, yeah, Junior Buzz told me that she can't compete because her dog is in purebred. It's like, what's all these awards and ribs and, and whatnot in the background? What, what these trophies that she has? If this dog doesn't qualify for best of show, what is all this other stuff? And she is carrying on about, you know, her pedigree and this, that. This is just dumb. It is dumb. It is also the reason that I have my concerns with WOW as it relates to their hiring practices. And this is what I was talking about earlier. And I'm going to take a sidebar here because Goldie Collins is the face of the reason that I feel this way. If you don't know who she is, she's an actress that's outside of Los Angeles. So her connection to wrestling is only throughout. I would probably say the same thing about Katrina Jinks. And to the best of my knowledge, she's was who's the other rebel Hayes? I believe that their histories with wrestling are only relative to wow, which makes me feel like okay, that they're moving backwards now. They've hired a bunch of people who um, were wrestlers. In fact, the dynamic shifted quite a bit when they were on Access TV. I would say most of the, the girls that they had on the show were actual wrestlers. Diamante, Kira Hogan, Jesse Jones, Chantella Chella. I mean, you can go up and down the line. Ending with their uh, Tessa Blanchard before she fell off the deep end. But now it feels like they're going backwards. Now it feels like they're just like, let's just hire some people and we could teach them. I have been pretty verbal about the idea of hiring just any anybody off the street I disagree with. Whether they train them or not, because the, the most amount of time that she could have possibly had before she's on national television is, what, three months worth of training? And I'm sure this is the singular match that she's had in her career, at least as far as we know. She, she might have had three or, you know, something like that over the course of these tapings. 
And I'm sure she looks at this like, well, you know, I'm an actress, so I could, I could play the part, and this would be good on my resume, which is the only reason that they do these things to participate in WOW. Because if the local indie promotion said, hey, we're going to do auditions to be at it, they wouldn't think twice about it. Like, I'm not doing that. It is only to be on TV, and it's only to pad their resume. Wrestling is a means to an end. And the second that WOW is over with, she will be out of that business altogether. I, You know, if she could prove me wrong, I would love to see it. And, I, and I'll be public about it. If she, if she or anybody else on that roster who was hired just because they were a stunt woman, they were an actress, or they just saw it in the back page of the audition paper out there in Los Angeles, if any one of them just continue on, I, I will eat those words. I'll paint it on a sandwich and eat it myself. But they ain't gonna. You had one person over the course of these, and I'm not saying that all of them just devalue wrestling. So let me let me make that clear. I'm not saying that they look down on it or something like that. There are some that actually have grown to appreciate it through WoW. Azukar, some of y'all probably don't even know who I'm talking about. But she was one of the girls that came in during those, uh, what, the 2013 season of WoW. She was basically what Tormenta is now. The Mexican superstar, except she wasn't a, a heel, she was a babyface. But she didn't have any wrestling background, but I got the chance to interview her because she was, she happened to be over the house of Sofia Lopez when I, uh, uh, when I called to do the interview with, with Lopez. And so I got a two-for-one interview. And during that, this isn't verbatim, but she basically said that you know she appreciates and understands and respects the wrestlers and essentially openly admitted, she's like, I couldn't do that. I could not do what these girls do. I wouldn't have been able to go and work for $25. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have been able to to drive them down the roads relentlessly trying to get in or try to get these bookings and do the, you know, be your own um, booker, so to speak, and deal with the, you know, either the good of the promoters who who do you fair and pay you what you need or, or the bad, the ones that screw you and this, that, and the other. She said she had enough respect to understand that she knew that she wouldn't be able to do it. So I don't want to paint the picture that everybody that goes in there that didn't have any sort of wrestling background immediately just looks down on wrestling. What I am saying is that I don't think that there's a lot of people who they hire outside of the wrestling bubble who have a desire to do it. They have a desire to be a wild superhero. They do not have a desire to be a wrestler. And, I, and that much I fully believe. Jeannie Buss is not going to step in and say anything about that because she didn't know anything different. In fact, she she in the interview is looking, and I know I said this before, but she's looking to have WOW be some sort of landing platform for women who are in sports but are unable to continue in their own individual sport because there's no profession for it. So say like if you're a tennis player, you don't make it. Or you're a volleyball player and there's no place to go. Well, you can just come to WOW. Because anybody can be a wrestler, right? Which is basically to what she's saying. Anybody can do this. Just come here and, you know, we'll take care of you. 
So this is the genie bus. That that would that scenario would be like if you walked down the street and found ten tall athletic guys and said, "Well, sh- oh, I need to bleep that out." <laughs> so we need to sign up for the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> where's my pen? I need to I need to mark my my time code so I can bleep my. Sorry, guys, didn't mean that. But anyway. Uh, it yeah, it would be like that. It would be like her just walking down the street, and I I see some six footers and six five and seven footers, and well, we'll just hire you right now, and I'll and we'll train you to to be on the Lakers, and you'll and you'll go immediately to the NBA. In inside of a year's time, now is it impossible? No, it's not. But it's very unlikely that you're going to find people that were that dedicated to it to begin with because if they wanted to go in the NBA, they probably would have tried. And that's what I'm saying here. That is the relation to this. If they wanted to be wrestlers to begin with, they probably would have tried. Now, the comparable note that I'm sure someone is thinking, well, the WWF does it, or the WWE does it. Well, that's true. They do. The difference there is that the WWE has a performance center. And they can pay them a salary to train. Which I don't necessarily agree with that either. I mean, because you have people who spend thousands of dollars to learn how to to be a wrestler. And WWE just finds somebody that they like and then they'll pay them. But the point being is that they had a facility to do it. They had the means to do it. Because they have an NXT, they got their performance center. They could do house shows for NXT when when they feel like it. They don't have to have them in, in front of ten thousand people. They can have them in front of five hundred. That's what they did before. It is not a comparable point of what the WWE is capable of doing and what WoW is capable of doing. Now, if Genie Buzz wants to fork out that kind of money to train them and house them and give them a salary while they learn and you know have them run around on and a, a house show tour getting used to crowds and camera motion movements and talking you know address the hard camera and stuff like if she wants to fork out that kind of money then that's fine but instead of doing that what she's going to do is just what she's been doing feeding the money over to wow and letting david mcclain do what he's been doing and then he'll pick somebody and then he'll stick them on TV once they've done, you know, their three months worth of wild training. This shouldn't be happening. You could excuse that when Glow was created, when Wild, when Dave McClain first started up. Because there wasn't a lot of girls out there. And the ones that he would have been able to have, he would have had to go through the fabulous moolah to get, which he probably didn't want to do. You could excuse it in the early 2000s when he started WoW initially. Because, yeah, there were girls out there, but they were on the independence and you couldn't necessarily get all of them. In this year, as I broadcast 2023, there is no reason for this. There are hundreds of talented young ladies who are looking for some sort of opportunity to be a wrestler somewhere. 
who can hit the ground running, who are ready to just get inside of most anybody's ring and deliver quality matches and be good rather than just be the interchangeable part. But I also know that having people who train for that comes with a cost. The cost of that being, if you are a wrestler, there's a very, very good chance that you are looking to move up the ladder some way, somehow, in whatever promotion that you happen to be working for. Whether that be because you feel like you have better matches, whether that be because you feel like you have a better crowd response, whether that be because you sell more merchandise, whether that be because you have a stronger social media presence and people have started flooding to your your Instagram or your Facebook or your TikTok or whatever. Those are measurable things that some, if not a lot of independent wrestlers use to justify pay rate, their position on the card, whether they feel like they should go over or not. Some people don't care, but some people do because they're trying to protect their image. It's all of those little factors rolled up into that person. If you're hiring an actress who doesn't know anything about the wrestling business and really has no desire to be in the wrestling business or continue in the wrestling business, then those things become moot points. They're probably not going to ask to be their champion. They're probably not going to ask, hey, can I be the main event? They're probably not going to ask about, well, uh, should I be getting paid more? I'm getting better crowd responses. and Those things are probably not going to come up because they're happy to be there. Candy Crush is probably not going to buck the system of wow. Not saying that she should, but she's probably not going to buck the system of wow. Asking for this, I mean, at this point, they're taking care of her. <clears throat> Katrina James, Golden Collins, and uh, Rebel Hey, whoever else they hire in and sticking to that show, they're probably not going to buck the system of wow. Foxy Fierce, I've seen her resume. I forget her res- her real name, but I've seen her resume. Wow is just a, a thing on her resume amongst a bunch of other acting things. So it doesn't mean all that much beyond the fact that she could say, I was on national television. It's that it's not being used so she can go get some other booking someplace else. I have a resume that was sent. I get these things sent to me every periodically, you know, here and there. I have a resume sitting on, you know, in, in a recent email with the last seven days that somebody gave me. Looking for work. Asking for an opportunity. Showing who she's trained by. The places that she's gone. Links to her matches. Those are not things that you're dealing with or even addressing in a while. Because they're going after actors. Or people who... Again, stunt women, or people that, that just audition for the show, women that audition. And that's what it's always going to be. And, I, and it feels like they are just rotating the wheels of time backwards to get it back to the point that we could just hire people that I want to have. And they will be the characters that I want them to be without giving me any crap about it. 
That's what it feels like. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong. But I doubt it. So this is the the uh, debut match for Golden Collins and Goldie Collins. And I think it's safe to say at this point they have repositioned Candy Crush as the gatekeeper of WoW. Before, that was kind of a theory. Now, I think it's a fact because it seems like most of the people that come in there, she's the first person that they take on. So, it is good for Candy Crush to some degree, although it is just a, you know, I, I guess her spot on the lower card, I mean, that, that doesn't really feel like a, a main event or semi-main event type of thing. Even though she's gotten a lot of attention from WoW, she's she's only kind of vaguely skated through the the main event scene. It never really went back to it. I mean, that should have been the point of the bone of contention between her and, and uh, Princess Ozzy, but you know we'll we'll see how that whole thing plays out. So, <sighs> what I will not do is I'm not going to take away from. How good Goldie Collins looked. I hate the name. I would rather her just be called Goldie. Just lose the last name. But it's bad enough knowing that she has a dog trainer gimmick and that she, you know, is a has a dog that's in her photo shoots and stuff like that. But, you know, just we don't have to play it up incessantly. Uh for somebody who is probably very light on experience, she seemed like she did okay. She did fine here. Um, I don't believe that she would be able to function like this if there were a lesser experienced worker with her. And not that Candy Crush is super experienced, but I do think that she is uh, gaining ground with that. I think she's getting getting more experience uh maybe not so much to go out on the indies and and uh be be the lead or top girl necessarily but she does have athletic background and maybe she's you know working on she she might be working very hard it seems like she is in my opinion i until i see differently and see her just screw up or something but collins seemed to do okay here she definitely played up her heel persona. She she's got a lot of uh, good mannerisms. She has a a very nonchalant attitude as as far as you know when she's choking somebody out, putting a foot across the throat, you know, standing there uh, being booed or accepting the boos. She doesn't have a lot in her repertoire as of yet. A lot of knees, a lot of forearms, chops, and things like that. A lot of tossing back and forth into you know in the rope. So I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of psychology that she has gotten because she can't possibly have learned that yet. Her her match looks very um, very complete, but it is a basic match. Did a pretty fair cradle suplex. Certainly not perfect. 
and I don't mean that as a uh, as a nod to Kurt Henning, but I mean I might as well say it while I'm thinking about it. Cer- certainly not with that degree of execution. Uh, <clears throat> but good, it is good. It's another case to me of if this is something that she wants to do. I mean, if she is legitimately serious about it, and not just using this as a uh, stepping stone to her next acting job then take some bookings outside of this because once those tapings over with you know i'm sure she went right back to the stage where she had been it should not be any surprise to you that candy crush won and she did i pretty much made a liar out of collins like i'm better than everybody else and this that and the other. i i i didn't even bother to talk about the the uh the vignette or video package curse that WoW does, I I still do not understand why they do that. I don't get it. Why do they introduce these people as being some sort of star or or you know big acquisition, if you will, only to have them come out there and lose in the very first match? I just it just boggles my mind. And it just reinforces everything that I just said. I really do not believe that David McClain wants to make any stars here. There's nothing that they do that would lead anyone to believe that they are having any attempt to make a star. They're just components to fill out a TV show. So, pushing towards the end, uh, Candy Crush wins this with an Olympic slam or whatever that she calls her version of it is. One of the things I thought was good in the match was the uh, counter to the superwoman punch, if you want to call it that, where Crush goes up to the second rope. She does the whole let's go thing. She's getting ready to jump off. We've seen her do this a couple of times, which I thought, okay, that's good. Because they have set the precedent for this is the setup for the move. So I thought that was nice. And it makes sense to me that somebody who's on television who sits there and yells, let's go, telegraphing the move, could be countered because you've basically told her that it's coming. Colin steps in. She catches her with a, like a bear hug and turns it into a spine buster. And a nicely executed spine buster at that if I'm going to give credit where credit is due. But it did not secure her the win (laughs) because, as I said, Crush wins this match with an Olympic slam. I would not be surprised in the least to discover that this match was laid out in full in the back. It was nice. Nice new face, but she was another loser in a long line of losers against Candy Crush. The next segment, they advertise the next week's main event, which will see the introduction of the class master. Where do they get these names? Segment after that, there's a Tiki Tomorrow profile video, which is nice. It's, it's a little out of place. I mean, I don't know why it's there, <laughs> but it's nice. 
Uh, I mean, I guess you have to, if you're going to have it, I guess you got to have it someplace. But she, in the profile video, she talked about her military background, rugby, surfing, her life, her marriage. I mean, th- this was good. Uh, it gave something else to Tiki Chamorro aside from just being Tiki Chamorro. And, I mean, as long as this is shown before uh, before something, a, a commercial break, or, I mean, it, it, as long as it doesn't lead into a loss is what I'm saying. Like, it's shown before something else. It's like, this is, a, hey, this is our superstar profile of the week. Here's Tiki Chamorro. And then you come out of that and you go into a match not involving her or some other backstage sex, something. Something else. This was slotted better than we've seen in the past. Because as we just saw with Goldie Collins, they put her video, her intro video directly before she went out there and lost. Doesn't make any sense. Why would I believe in this woman? She immediately went out there and lost. She cannot be some sort of big hero. Why would I... It just completely devalued the idea that she was going to ever be a champion anywhere, much less in WoW. So anyway, WoW then goes to the next segment. I'm sorry. I was about to skip something here, so let me roll back. The next segment here is Sofia Lopez talking for Tormenta before Tormenta cuts a promo in Spanish. And Essentially, this is uh, Lopez cutting the promo, making claim on the championship. Tormenta, uh, I put in my notes, she has a horrible record in WoW, and I expect another loss. I was surprised, but that's what I expected. The next thing is the advertisement for Las Banditas versus Miami Sweet Heat. The note that I put here is the Banditas need to win this. And I underlined it in red. <laughs> the Banditas need to win this. First off, Miami Sweet Heat, they do not require a win. They've been the two-time wild tag team champions. They they don't need this. They're not gonna go, they're not gonna get any bigger in wild than they already are. They've already hit their peak. They can still get some more juice out of them, but they've already gone as high up as they're going to go, short of them flipping and going babyface. With Las Banditas, they have a spotty record at best. They pretty much were manhandled or woman-handled by the mother truckers and shown to be an inferior team. This is one of those booking decisions that I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I would have done this. If my goal, let's say that I'm in the booking room and I know that ultimately we are going to head towards the Fabulous Four, Lana Stars faction versus Sofia Lopez and her faction, whatever they may be called, if I knew that that was our ultimate destination, I need to get Las Banditas as many wins going into that as possible. And I don't want them losing to the mother truckers. I would have had them, you know, go over on the mother truckers. Now, granted, it should be a way that gives the truckers an out, but they shouldn't have lost. 
they should not have been doing any jobs leading into this so they could be perceived on the same level as Miami Sweet Heat. There's no reason for anybody that's watching this to perceive them on the same level, except for those people that just go along to get along with anything that Wild says and does. There's people out there that's, that's like that. You can, and I say it all the time. You can go look on any of their comment sections, and you have people that just say things that are just nonsensical. Steffi Slayers deserves a title shot. Like, what? Why? What has she done to deserve a title shot? Are you, are you out of your mind? She, had, she can barely win. What is, Foxy Fierce is the greatest wrestler in the world. What planet are you on? I mean, I understand, you know, people had their own favorites, but come on. That their, their win-loss record is crap. I can understand if they said something like Candy Crush deserves a shot or something like that, but Steffi Slays, really? I don't even know how you would come to that conclusion. But if I am doing this, the objective here would be to get the people to believe and want to see this confrontation because, you know, it should be an epic confrontation. But if you don't have one half of that equation looked at on the same level as the other, then what are you doing? The Lakers and Celtics rivalry worked because Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were perceived as, if not on the same level, at least good rivals. They are perceived as good rivals. The Midnight Express, Four Horsemen, two heel factions that came up against each other worked because the Midnight Express did not lose all that often. But then again, neither did Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. They were two heel teams, two championship teams, who didn't really cross paths. But then you have a snide comment made by Jim Cornell's like, you know, there is one team that we haven't been haven't been able to beat, but it's kind of hard to beat a team where you never get a match with them. And then we build off from there. And then the people's imaginations went wild. But it was because they were both so strong going into it. The Wyatt family and the Shield. That moment when the Shield stood up on one side of the apron and the Wyatt family stood up on the, on the other made that crowd stand up. Because much like what I just said, you had two factions, both of which were pretty strong. And hadn't really crossed paths with each other. But now here they are. And we know that they're going to they're gonna butt heads. And we know that this is aiming towards a fight. Here is just cattiness. And what are they fighting for? What is this entire feud about? It's not about money or power or you you cheated me out of my title shot or nothing like that is is just a random argument that blew up into something else now i know that argument stemmed from a deal gone bad so let's examine that deal gone bad sophia lopez and lana star make a deal amongst themselves that tormenta gets the next shot 
which theoretically should have happened because Dave McClain said on multiple occasions that Lana Starr got a chance to pick her opponent for Penelope Pink. But then Princess Oz gets shoehorned into it and it becomes a, a three-way, which upset Sofia Lopez, rightfully so. And it upset Lana Starr, rightfully so. Because neither one of them wanted that. It put the odds against Penelope Pink, Lana Starr's champion, that she would ha- have the possibility of walking out as the champion, or she could lose, as she did, without even getting pinned. It worked against Sofia Lopez, who felt like, I have a contender here. I got tormented. I got finally got a title shot one-on-one in the most fair way that I can get it, and now all of a sudden, those odds have gone up. But somebody that she didn't even prepare for. I mean, uh, now I'm just I'm providing extra logic here, so just just bear with me. So that monkey wrench gets tossed in because of David McLean. David McLean is the cause of that. In a real world setting, both of them should be upset at him. Neither one of them did anything to the other that was wrong in this instance. The only reason that I say that the the anger that they had there was justified is because, yeah, when you have something like that happen, it's a frustrating thing, and you take your anger out on whoever happens to be there, whether they're right or wrong. That was believable for me. And then to have Alana Star make a snide comment within that, like, well, it didn't matter because Penelope Pink was going to win anyway. Okay, well, that shit really upset Sophia Lopez. Like, what you mean she was going to win anyway? You know, that that still made sense. But the fact that we've jumped up to the point that they're just uh, running out into each other's matches, snatching each other off the apron, getting each other's hair and, you know, stuff like that. Like, where did that come from? There was really no reason for that at this point. They didn't build to it. It just... It's like they started off, here's where we begin our build, this backstage confrontation. And then they just skipped over three or four points and just went right to, we're angry at each other. Like, let's just fast forward that and go to go to this. I'm not a fan of them doing it, and they do that a lot. They just, you know, they just skip over things. It, it, it didn't seem like that was enough Especially when you really give it thought, David McLean would be the person that both of them should be upset with. He made the decision to shoehorn Princess Ozzy into that match rather than I'll give you a title match next week when we determine the winner here. Nope, I got to put you into this match with them right now. So they really don't technically have a reason to be mad at each other. But in the Wilds universe, they do. But the, 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 getting back to the or, original point here, Los Bandidas needs to win this. They need to win that because they have more to lose in the loss than Miami Sweet Heat does. Miami Sweet Heat will be fine. They lose that match, they'll be fine because the only persons that they really have job to at this point are the Tonga Twins. Aside from the you know Campanelli and Rara when they won at one time, other than that they don't really lose all that often. Los Banditas loses their their win loss record is up and down. 
It would do better for them. I don't think they'll get it. I'll be surprised if they do, but it would do better for them to walk out as the as the winners there. There's no championship, but as the winners. The last match and the last segment, Princess Ozzy taking on Tormenta for the WOW Women's Championship. I don't really refer to it as a world's title. They want to refer to it as a world title as their business. In my view, WOW is a very glorified independent show. They don't really leave Los Angeles. They don't really have people that come in beyond that. They're not recognized by almost any other wrestling promotion and or publication as a world's championship. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I expected this match to be good just because of the participants in it. I am still much better with Sofia Lopez walking around handing out business cards. Even when she does it with a smile, I am far better with her doing that than her just walking around shaking hands. They never explained the whole shaking hands deal. They never like, oh, she's being disingenuous, nothing like that. The business cards, I think, works a little better for her just because, you know, her gimmick is she's a lawyer. And she, you know, but can buddy up to people while I'm trying to get business. So, I mean, there I was, you know, pretty much perfectly fine with it. Here, the narrative of the match is somewhat to the effect that Princess Oz is kind of like what Bret Hart did in 92. I'm going to take on anybody that wants a title shot. You don't have to worry about being a, you know, a top contender. You know, that, that was when he had his first run. And he was just opening up championship matches to whoever wanted the championship match. It seems like that's what they're trying to get across with Ozzy. Like she's going to be the fighting champion. And I'm going to take on whoever wants it so nobody can call me a, a, a paper champion or a fake or whatever the case may be. I don't know if Ozzy is going to be enough to elevate the status of the wild championship. But I will say she's probably as good a option to try to elevate the status of that championship as anybody. Um <clears throat> the value of Tormenta in this spot as a top challenger uh, is a little bit questionable for me. She's kind of like Las Banditas and her win-loss record is up and down. The two championship matches that I can recall her being in, both triple threats, she was the one that took the fall for both of those. Her first run and wow, she lost every match. So Aside from the fact that she is a quality wrestler, I don't know if in the kayfabe universe of WOW that she would deserve a title match. But again, we we will kind of just bypass that. Sofia Lopez has improved as a manager. 
when she first was out there, you know, years ago, she would just kind of stand around at the ringside and watch. Not very animated at the time. But now, if you look at her, she she shows concern. She's a cheerleader. She's, you know, clapping getter. She's she's doing all the stuff that she should do as a manager, and I love it. I only wish that they gave them a little bit more um, more time to improve and get better. And my good, I mean, Tormenta did did great in here. Princess Ozzy did great. They 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 delivered better than they probably had any right to do in front of a wild audience. And I and I don't mean to insult that audience, but as stated, they aren't really looking for a lot in their wrestling. I think they just enjoy seeing the the moves and and what have you. But Ozzy and and Tormenta, they didn't tear the house down, but they had a good little wrestling match here. And I think it's important to note that Lopez played her part in this as well. For those two or three people that might have been out there that looked over at her every once in a while to see how she was doing or what she was doing and whether she was concerned or not, she she's kept doing it. And like there's a point where Tormenta gives a a big short strength. Ozzy comes off the top rope, high crossbody, and, and Tormenta, you know, she caught her. She caught her and hoisted her up. And and the the praise that Sofia Lopez gave on the outside, raising her fist in there like, yes, look about, you know, look at Tormenta. Those are the things that you look forward to. Those are the things that you you want out of your manager. And I know she probably won't do it, but I almost want to see her just like go to Impact, go to MLW, go to NWA, go, go somewhere because I want to see if she can actually push this thing forward. I doubt that she'll do it because – uh, she's another young lady who has an acting career, so you know she's probably not going to you know pursue that. But you get the point. She seems like she's starting to understand what to do and how to do it, and that the and that the eyes are always on you, even though you're at ringside. You gotta be active in it, and you gotta keep people believing that you are concerned. Because if you're not concerned about Tormenta winning. You know, then why would they ever be concerned about Tormenta winning? Whether she's a babyface or not, or a babyface or heel, if, if the manager out there doesn't express any concern over her charge being in the ring, getting beat up, showing the, the concern that, oh, my God, do something, fight back, or the joy that, oh, yes, she caught her. You know, those things. If she doesn't do that, then something's wrong. So it, I, I say it a couple of times. It's the nuances of things. Like it's those little things. Um, Tormenta, this is aside from a match where she actually um, won because she because she didn't win this. But in fairness, neither did Ozzy. Aside from that, this may be one of the better matches that I've seen Tormenta perform here because she wasn't just immediately beaten up. She didn't look like she was out of her element. It didn't come off like, well, Princess Ozzy is just a surefire win. 
It actually was a competitive contest between the two. And very much, if I can use the Larry Zabisco line, it's like very much a, a game of chess. It was a move and counter move. Wasn't a bunch of high spots, wasn't a bunch of silliness. It wasn't a bunch, you know, it, it, they didn't stretch the lines of credibility in what they did. Uh, now, I just said that Tormenta didn't win, but neither did Ozzy. So, I guess you're, if you didn't watch it, you probably would be wondering. So, let's get to that. Ozzy, at one point, catches her with her cutter. And, I, and they, their dumb name, the cutter from down under. Uh, and he tried to put on the, uh, the Australian accent and saying it. But when she hits it, who pops up on the ringside is Sofia Lopez. She gets right up there, does not wait for a pinfall. And I, I love that. Didn't wait for it. She already knew that her girl was in trouble and I had to do something. So she gets up on the ring apron, distracting the referee. On the other side, Ozzy's coming off the top row with a frog splash. Sophia is ref- is essentially refusing to get down. She's 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 motioning towards her, her heel, basically like, I, I can't go down. What are you talking about? But as that happens, then you have the fabulous four or at least the terrific three or something because it wasn't all four of them. Vicky Lynn and Penelope Pink and uh, uh, Lana Star all come out the ringside, charging for the attack. Penelope Pink is on Princess Ozzy, Vicky Lynn is on Tormenta, and Lana Star is going at it with uh, Sofia Lopez out on the floor. So we got our little gang warfare thing happening there. The next person that comes charging out is the Beast. And the Beast is just being the Beast. Penelope Pink is somehow shoved off just in time by Princess Ozzy. When the Beast gets in there, Ozzy kind of pushes her back. Penelope Pink turns around and she's immediately caught with a chokeslam. Helen doesn't see this because her back is turned. So she hits it with a chokeslam. Penelope sells it great. Vicky Lynn then tosses Tormenta directly into the beast, and the beast hits her with a spear. And Vicky's looking like, oh boy, okay. So, and I I, I will re- reiterate what I said about the two of them in the previous podcast. And what I just said a second ago, sometimes it's those little things, the look on Vicky Lynn's face is the sell here it is a look of concern not fear but concern and even through that she charges and tries to get a clothesline misses it and then the beast catches her with it with a choke slam picks her up didn't sell it and didn't get it up as high as she would have with uh or, or as she did with P- penelope pink uh, for obvious reasons vicky lynn's a little bigger than her but she she still went up great, came down and sold it great. The match is no contest, so no one won here. It was just called off. But this, this last bit here clearly established the Beast as the dominant wrestler of WoW, whether she has the championship or not. The Beast is their A player. Now, where that goes, time will tell. Will she get in, in a match with Princess Ozzy? Who knows? At this point, the Beast is just crushing people. 
She she's just she's of course she's only been married a little while. But if there's ever a case that anyone can make to me for saying, well, they they're trying to make her into a star, that I would believe. Everybody else is just kind of there. Fabulous for maybe like a step underneath the beast. Princess Ozzy maybe a step underneath the Fabulous Four. Everybody else is pretty much interchangeable in my view. But the Beast stands on top of WoW as the premier wrestler at this point. She didn't have a lot of experience either. But in the role that she's playing, probably doesn't have to be. She can be their Goldberg. The person that comes out there and smashes the competition and then just moves on. So that was the show, and at least Tormenta did not lose. That was one of the big things that I did there, that at least they didn't lose, or she didn't lose. I was happy for that. Uh, <clears throat> going back, quick recap for the entirety of this show. Uh First match, didn't understand the working of the arms for Gambino when it really didn't play into the finish at all. Steffi's cardio seemed a bit bad to me in this match. It was a great DDT, but she was moving slowly, like she was kind of blown up. And that, like I said, she had a hard time getting over. Dave McClain and, and Steven Dickey with the cape deal, is, along with BK Rhythm's raps, it's not going anywhere. It doesn't serve any purpose. Both of those things are getting old. The commentators talk about uh, coaches' recruitment drive throughout the uh, one of the matches, and they don't even pretend like this is legit. There is no contact information. There's no email. There's no sending in to this or that. And... Spoiler alert, they've already found a person that's going to be there. So it's Randy Rock Clone. Another cheerleader. You'll see her soon enough. And that that would be that. I mean, that, that is the entire deal, except for what I just told you, that the Beast clearly is their, their A player and the one that stands at the top of the list of, of the WoW roster. We will see what happens in this upcoming episode of WoW when they, uh, the heel factions clash and they introduce the Class Master, which is another idiotic name, but, you know, hey, I guess they got to have somebody, another teacher to come in and replace the disciplinary. So on that note, <laughs> so I'm going to step down because I think I've talked long enough. It's almost been, wow, two hours. So, folks, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs Policy Podcast. I really appreciate your time and uh, giving this this show your ear. If you like, you can go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss an episode, whatever platform that you're listening to this to. You can also go onto our shop page if you're on YouTube and order a shirt. If you are somebody who does not like comedy in your wrestling, a ridiculous character like Goldie Collins, then you can illustrate that by buying a shirt and showing up at WOW with the no silly, I'll change the word, stuff, just wrestling. Maybe if enough of those shirts flood into that place, they'll get the point. Maybe. So yeah, no silly stuff, just wrestling. You can get that in a couple of different colors 
If you do, make sure you're facing the hard cam so we can be seen. I'd love to see you on camera with, with that thing if that ever happened. That that would be like a dream come true for me. I'll, I'll, I must admit. So on that note, folks, thank you again. And I want to close by saying that this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And I will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>